0: Um, as we continue to define the new humanity, we realize that we talked about last week that we were dreamers, but, but there was one one phrase, one premise that we have that we want to kind of lean into through this whole series. It's this, as God interacts with humanity, something new is made. As God interacts with humanity, something new is made. As God, As God fills your heart, as God interacts between you and your family and you and your friends, as God is a piece of everything that we do, He is constantly creating new things. Last week we talked about the fact that the new humanity are dreamers. They dream of what can be and they work towards making that happen. But today we're talking about unifiers because we believe that the new humanity are a group of people who are unifiers. We are they those it is those who are in Christ that come together for Christ and that are they do all of this through Christ. So let's break that down for a moment. Those of us who call ourselves in Christ, this means that we have assented to the fact that Jesus is all, that Jesus is the center and circumference of our faith. He is everything that we desire. He is the full revelation of God, as it says in Hebrews and Colossians. He is everything that we need to know in order for us to receive salvation, to receive grace, to live in the way of Jesus That's what it means to be in Christ. But we also do this for Christ. Our gatherings, they're not just for ourselves. They're not just so a bunch of people can dress up nicely and come and sit and look at each other. They are because we want Christ to know how much we are in love with Him, right? If other people just get together, it's just groups of affinities. That's a club. We're not a club. We're a church. And while we will be lifted, while we will be filled, and while we will be poured out together We do this all so that Christ can be lifted up. So in Christ, for Christ, but we do it through Christ as well. And that's the pervasive nature, the ubiquitous nature of who Christ is, that we do this through Christ because He has given us the power to gather. He has given us the power to worship. He has given us the power to exalt His name on high, to do all of this through Him. That is why we come together every single week And he said it this way. Listen, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He says this in John 12, 32. When I am lifted up from the earth. So that is why we come together, to lift Christ up from the earth so that he might draw everyone together. We seek to lift Christ up first and foremost. But who can come? You see, it's interesting because when he says that all men will be drawn to him, he means that everyone can come. So the salvation of Jesus is available to everyone who believes. Now, when I was 19, I worked up a camp, worked up a Pine Springs Ranch, and um, watching kids accept Jesus Christ week after week after week, um, it does something to your heart, and it opened up my heart. And I think I was reconverted or I was converted maybe for the first time really understanding the grace of Christ. And I had this conversion experience, and it really sort of changed my life. And I was dating a girl at the time who wasn't up at camp. And I, I remember coming down and thinking, well, I, we can't date anymore. She's into things that I don't want to be into. She's not focused on Jesus. And so, so I broke up with her. And it was kind of harsh because um, I was 19. And 19 year olds can be stupid. Well, at least this 19 year old was super dumb. Um, anyway, I broke up with her. Didn't see her for a while. About six, eight months later, I don't remember, we were having coffee. And um, as we were kind of chatting, you know, you got to do the post-mortem, right, y'all? You got to get together. You got to, you know, what happened? Where'd you go? And she said, you know, you really hurt me. You really hurt me when you broke up with me. And uh, y- <laughs> It's nice to know that you, you know, that somebody cared. So I was like, huh. And she goes, oh, not because of you. Like, oh. She said, not because of you. The reason why you really hurt me is because you had discovered this thing that was changing your life. It changed who you were. And you never invited me in. You never shared this love that you have for Jesus with me. You just thought I wouldn't be interested or it wasn't something for me. I mean, have you ever failed to be the recipient of an invitation? Have you ever... You you know those conversations, right? You've got three friends hanging out. You're one of them. And one goes, hey, you going to Joe's party? And the other one goes, yeah, I'm going to Joe's party. And they look at you and they're like, you going to Joe's party? And you're like, I don't know anything about Joe's party. (laughs) And they're like, oh. (laughs) And then there's that like, you know, like everybody's trying to back. I'm sure your invitation just got lost in the mail. No, it didn't. No one uses mail anymore. Why do we still have it? There's absolutely no point for mail anymore. Right? It may have got lost in the mail. I'm sure Joe likes you. Are you and Joe upset at each other? You're like, I don't know. And they're like, well, there's, there's a part. I'm sure you can come. And that's how you want to go to a party. <laughs> I'm sure you can come. Are you sure I can come? Because if you were sure, I would have been invited. It's awkward. How short is your invitation list to heaven? How short is it? Is it shorter than God's? Because this is what God says about Jesus. In Isaiah 11.10, it says, In that day, the heir to David's throne, the root of Jesse, or the, is the, the term that it uses, will be a banner of salvation for all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. We need an amen for that. These are good words. We don't read Isaiah enough. In, the day, in that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all all the world, the nations, not some nations, not a couple nations, not your nation. The nations will rally to him, everyone. And I love what he says in that last sentence, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. The land where he lives will be a glorious, wherever God inhabits is a glorious place. Where does God live now? The land where he lives now is your heart." Is your heart a glorious place or is it dark? Is it dark with bitterness? Is it dark with resentment? Is it dark and filled up with the baggage that you've put onto it, put into it? I was just doing a training with some pastors, really great people, a conference of ours. And man, um, really good. I did my first, did my first um, presentation in a couple hours. And as I finished the presentation, this guy comes up to me. And I didn't know who he was, but he kind of like came up to me. He's holding a piece of paper in his hand. And, and when you public speak a lot, you begin to know somebody when they're coming up to say, oh, thank you so much. And when they're coming up to not say that. And um, felt like he might not say that. And so he comes up and he goes, do you know what this is? And he kind of shoves this piece of paper in my face. I was like, oh, I don't know, let me see. So I pick it up and I read it. And um, just so you know, Crosswalk Church, about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, before I got here, put together a statement of inclusion of who is welcome in our community. And this statement of inclusion says, all are welcome to our community of belonging. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. You are welcome in the kingdom of God with us, All right? Praise God for it. It's a really great statement. And he said, so what do you think of this? And I said, oh, that's our crosswalk statement of inclusion. And he goes, well, I really have a problem with it. And I was like, where did you get that, man? Like, we, I don't, I'm not even sure it's on our website anymore. We've done some changes to our website. I'm not sure it's there. And he's like, I've had this on my computer. I've been waiting to talk to somebody about it. And I, I, I said, what are you doing, man? I don't know you. You don't know me. Why, why are you coming? What's in your heart? Why are you doing this? And so we continued to talk a little bit. It wasn't contentious. It was just, you know, uncomfortable. Let's put it that way. And he said to me, hey, buddy, um, he said to me, at one, point, at one point we got to the gospel, which is always a good place to go, and I said, hey, what do you think the gospel is? And he goes, oh, and he explains the gospel, and he explains it pretty beautifully. And I was like, oh, I totally agree with you. And then he said something at the end. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't agree with you. Um, but, but we… He shared this with me, and as he's talking about the gospel, I begin to be convicted that if I'm going to be a unifier, I've got to be friends with this guy, and I don't really want to. And so what I had to do is I had to start thinking, what do we have in common? I like the first part of your stuff about the gospel. Because if I'm going to be a unifier, I've got to, I've got to do it too. So we kind of ended the conversation as it ended, he reached out his hand. So I reached out my hand. And he said, you know, I've still got a real problem with this, but, you, you know, can I have your email address? <laughs> and I said, yeah, you can have my email address. You know, so I'm looking forward to what that conversation entails. I don't, I don't know that we'll agree. And in fact, I, I've got something shocking to share with you today, and I feel like this is the place that I just need to open up my heart. It's hard to believe, but it's true. Not everyone agrees with me on everything. You guys are like, you're waiting for something juicy, aren't you? Um, you're thinking, I don't agree with you most of the time. Yeah, not everybody agrees with me on everything. Doesn't mean we break fellowship. Yeah. C.S. Lewis recognized this by calling Christianity the house but acknowledging that within the house, there are many, many rooms, and we inhabit one of those rooms, right? Um, but I wonder if when we get together as Christians, even as Seventh-day Adventists, as we get together, maybe when we come down to dinner to those common places that we all inhabit together, maybe we should keep our baggage in our rooms, right? This guy, this guy needed me to carry his baggage. I wasn't going to. It's his baggage. It's not mine. His issue, not mine. You see, I've got teenagers now. um, And it used to be that everybody loved to just be in the kitchen all around, all talking, discussing. And uh, now they like their rooms. I mean, I think they still like us, but they like their rooms. And so we got that Google thing. So we're all walking around the house going, hey, Google, what time is it? The time is now. And so now I have to go like, hey, Google, broadcast. And I'll broadcast to all their rooms. And I'll be like, come down here. And then it'll reply and I'll say, why? (laughs) Um, And then I'll say, hey, Google, broadcast. Uh, Because I'm your dad. (laughs) And then I'll back and say, "So." because they're teenagers. No, so, I mean, because we, we do, we do like to be as a family. We like to come together, right? We, we should have common areas where we discuss things with people that we don't necessarily agree with, common areas where we discuss, where we grow, where we challenge, right? The problem is, the problem is that we too often, we too often get really used to being in our rooms, right? And we only like the people that are in our room because we're a little nervous about the people who aren't in our room anymore. And so what we do is we hang out with the people in our room, we have the conversations with the people in our room, and pretty soon we think we're the only ones in the house, right? And pretty soon people start to walk by going, shh, they don't know anyone else is here. See, and what happens is, When we do that, and all we do is discuss about the things in our room and the things that we have to deal with, we can become myopic much too easily. It means that we have tunnel vision and we don't see what's going on with the world. This seems to be why we never talk to anyone else in our faith communities and why we think that we have the only conversation that's happening, the only conversation that's happening. We're not interested in Christian unity because we can't even get Seventh-day Adventist unity. So what is Christian unity? Sorry, I'm just going to admit this because I said something that sounded like it should be serious and I started laughing. My son is in the back waving at me in the cafe and all his friends. Good to see you. All right, we're done now. Okay. good. Now you stop. It's okay. Sorry, I meant to be like, what is Christian unity? And I went, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so let me try that again. <clears throat> so what is Christian unity? See how I jumped right back into that? Listen, Christian unity does not come from our heads. Unity isn't a list of bullet points. Unity comes from the life of God's Spirit within us. Right? we can fail to recognize the means by which God has made us one, sabotaging His uniting work among us in spite of our divisions. God is trying to unify His church. He's trying to unify His people. And listen, we come from a faith tradition that says we should hold everyone a little bit suspect. And I get that, right? But again, we don't have to believe everything somebody else believes. We can disagree and still be in fellowship with people. I mean, really, unity in spite of our divisions? How in the world can we just be with people that we disagree with? So let me help you out. The first question you have to ask yourself is, is it easier to find what we have in common or what we hold in difference? I want you to take stock. I want you to think about somebody who desperately disagrees with you and whom you desperately disagree with do you think that you might be able to find something that you agree upon? I mean, this doesn't have to be religious. This can be like you really dislike the team that that guy likes, which causes division, friends. People have been killed over less. You know that. At sporting events. Would you, would you be able to agree on more in general or less. So if you can't find anything that you agree with that person with, let's start in a really simple place. Let's start with air. That's stupid? Maybe. But if you can't agree on anything, you can't agree on one thing, you both breathe air. That's one. You both drink water. Two. You begin to build an infrastructure of agreement rather than an infrastructure of division. And then you might be able to get along with people a little better because the assumption that we disagree on everything is not a good starting point. We don't disagree on everything. We disagree on some things, and that's okay. Because it's okay if you have Jesus as the center and circumference of your faith. Because you are not, you are not focused on what they believe about this, what they believe about the end of time, what they believe about what day you're supposed to worship on, what you believe about, what you're supposed to put in your mouth. All distinctives, all great things, but that is not what we focus on. What we focus on is Jesus Christ. That doesn't diminish those things, by the way, because when you lift Jesus up, everything becomes more important. So, don't ever walk out of this church saying, Oh, Pastor Tim doesn't believe in any of this. That's not what I said. I said, I believe in Jesus, and it makes those things more important. The people who only believe in doctrine diminish them because they don't have Jesus in them anymore. They just become a lifestyle. I got kind of angry there. Let <laughs> me just own that. This is a weird day. But if we say we love a God who loves everyone, shouldn't we? kind of asked that question last week, but it still remains true because the new humanity sees humanity as more the same than different, right? Religion can be deeply divisive. Religion can hold us apart if we do not recognize the humanity in the other person. Look at the person next to you. I don't know if you know them, but there are some things you guys have in common, the person that you see across the parking lot, the person that you see in in a store somewhere, you have more in common with that person than you have difference. I don't care what race you are. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what orientation you are. You have more the same with them than different. Because that humanity is where it begins. And religion can be an incredible expression of the best of humanity as God works through us in religion or it can be the deepest divider that we have. You choose by the way that you express who you believe God is in your religion, in your faith, in your life. You see, but it's a a difficult world. Listen, it's a difficult world. I get it. Things are changing at an incredibly rapid pace. In fact, we live in a post-whatever world right? You've heard these phrases, post-modernity, post-modernism, post-truth. We live in a post-truth world. We live in a post-denominational world. We live in a post-whatever world. And I know that that scares people because all the people we were supposed to hate, we're not sure we're supposed to hate them anymore. If you keep moving the line on hate, who am I supposed to dislike? And that's bad. No, that's good. You see, when everything changes, everything changes. And when God interacts with humanity, something new is made. See, perhaps some things are supposed to fail, right? Because sometimes things have to die in order for them to be reborn. Maybe we're supposed to fail in order to be reborn. Doesn't the Bible say something about that? Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Uh, It's dead. It is no longer I who live, but... Christ, who lives in me. So I live in this body by trusting. The only reason I live in this body is because I trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. By the way, acknowledging this is the beginning of becoming unifiers. Because we are all starting from zero. Because when the slate is wiped clean, we can all begin together. You you remember being in elementary school? Play some game, doesn't matter what game. I always remember this in dodgeball, right? You're playing dodgeball. You're not paying attention. Somebody throws the ball, hits you in the side of the head, which hurts, by the way. Bam! You all know that sound, right? When that big red ball hits you in the head. boom! Right? And when you weren't paying attention, you're like, no, 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 no. I need a do-over. Right? And that's how we say it. We didn't say, yeah, you know, I need a do-over. I, I, don't, I don't need to do this again. I need a do-over. That's the way it's said. Right? And here's the thing about a do-over. This is what's fascinating about a do-over. I don't know if you know this, but we're going to exegete a do-over. Do-overs are some of the first acts of grace that we receive from our communities. You know why? Because you can't call a do-over. Somebody else has to agree to the do-over. Somebody has to give you the do-over. You're like, do-over, do-over. And if somebody on the other team is like, all right, man, I saw you weren't paying attention. It's okay, guys, let's give them a do-over, do-over. And you're like, redeemed. <laughs> right? We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't give ourselves a do-over. We are given a do-over. When the slate is wiped clean, we can be, all begin together. Right? Because in the kingdom of heaven, there's no hierarchy. They're simply Jesus and us. There's no first bus to heaven, right? There's no VIP section in heaven. There is just the fact that we are grateful God gave us a do-over and now we live in the do-over. That's the do-over that unifies us. It is the do-over that unifies us. And this is the beauty of the gospel. Knowing that we've been given this amazing do-over and that should unify us because we're all starting at the exact same place. You remember Romans 1 and 2? That's what Paul was doing. Let me break this down so the plain field is level. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God is willing to give grace to anyone. Jesus is the banner over all the nations that are called to Him. And if you can get that and accept Jesus Christ then your heart is a glorious place. If you know anything about Crosswalk, you know that we've got end statements. We've got five end statements of the kind of community that we're going to be. And our number one end statement, and it will always be our highest value, is that we are a community of belonging. That you belong here because at some level we are all the same. So why would we stop someone from coming in unless they were trying to damage the community? We bring people in. Sometimes these walls philosophically irritate me. Because they are a visual reminder that there is something in between us and them. But in God's kingdom, there is no us and them. There's just us. Just us. People who are struggling for meaning. People who are struggling for for grace. People who are hurting and people who are filled with joy all together. Trying to figure out what it means to be human trying to figure out what it means to live this life of Christ abundantly and overwhelmingly. This is what we are when we say we're a community of belonging. Our doors fling wide open and we invite everyone in. And if you're part of the new humanity, that means you've got to look at the person next to you, the person across the room, person across the parking lot, the person across the store or across the nation or across the world. You've got to look at them as the same as you. We're unified by the Holy Spirit living in us, by that gift that God has given and allows us to live differently. The new humanity does not build division. The new humanity builds unity. Oh, but do we look different? Yes, because uniformity is never anything that God ever thought was interesting. I mean, if he did, he would have made, you know, a giraffe and been like, that's it. All of it. You're all giraffes. But he didn't do that. He's like, let me make a giraffe. You think that looks weird? Let me make an elephant. You think that looks weird? Let me make an aardvark. You think that looks weird? Let me make a human. They're the weird ones. But he makes us all beautiful in our uniqueness. And he says in that uniqueness, you can be deeply unified. But it's not going to come from you. It's going to come from me because I can give the do over. And that's what unites us. Crosswalk, if you're not interested in being a part of a community of belonging, if you are more interested in keeping people out and keeping them away, go find another church. I don't say that lightly. I say that with all the God-given intention that I have. The only thing that keeps us out is not keep letting other people in. Listen, I know you don't want that. And you know that God doesn't want that. So today, we get to be a community of belonging, seeking to unify the world, not by, not by coercion, but by the invitation. Do you need a do-over? Come here, because this is where we find it. Do you need to look at your life differently? Come here, because this is where you can. Do you need to be loved more and loved well? Come here, because this is where we're going to try our hardest. Do you need to be inspired? Come here because we're going to worship God and He's the greatest inspiration. Do you need to be changed? Come here because we're all working for the change that happens as the Holy Spirit works in our heart and grows us towards the kingdom. That's what we do. That's what we're called to. That's why we say the new humanity is unifiers. And that's so much more fun than building walls. That's so much more fun than hiding out in our rooms. We get to be together with the people of God because all nations will be called under the banner of salvation that is Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we sang it in the song, your presence is an open door. So Lord, we do want you more than ever before as the lyrics go, Lord, just inhabit us. Just inhabit the space between us. Fill us up and grow us into your kingdom. Lord, we won't be perfect. We'll make tons of mistakes. We'll fall and fail and get up again. Can we have the do-over? Thank you for extending that grace. Lord, in your name I pray. Amen. Stand and worship with us one more time.